Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. It was wonderful walking in this morning and seeing all of the Christmas. <laughs> it was so nice. Uh, Eve and Oliver came with me this morning, and Eve said, I can't believe my eyes. <laughs> She says that about a lot of things, though. So, uh, <laughs> but it was specifically fitting for this morning, and so it was so nice. Thank you to everybody who does this. Um, that isn't me. Um, honestly, it would be a sad thing if it was up to me to decorate Christmas. I'm just not as creative in that way. But uh, that's why God gave me Wendy. So, <laughs> yeah. So. This morning, we are moving forward to our, our new series, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's kind of, kind of hard to, to realize that, that Christmas is 20 days away. Was <laughs> that a little like shock-inducing for some of you? Maybe a little panic set in? That's okay. <laughs> um, today, we're, we're starting out the, the month of December, and and we're going to be looking at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the, the, the list of names that, that we skip over <laughs> so, so frequently. Because let's be honest, most of us can't pronounce half the names that are there, three quarters or, or seven eighths, uh, you know, whatever fraction you feel like using. We, we, we can't pronounce them. And so because we can't pronounce them, a lot of times it's like, well, we'll just start in those days, Caesar Augustus, right? And, and you know, it, it, that's fine. But let's ask the question for just a second. The, the Bible is what? It is the Word of God. It is Holy Spirit inspired. And this is going to sound really judgy, and I don't mean it to. Do you think God would put a chapter in something that is called the Word of God that he's like, oh, they can just skip that part? Probably not. And, and that's not to, to be judgy, it's, it's to say, well, maybe we're, we're missing something. <laughs> maybe there is something in this list of names that is important enough for, for God to, to inspire Matthew to write it down and for all of history going forward to read it, like maybe there's some importance here. And there are five people specifically that we're going to look at over the, the course of December. And specifically, we're going to be looking at the genealogy that is, is written in the Gospel of Matthew. If we, we, the, there's a second genealogy that exists, and it's in the book of Luke. And there, there's a difference between these two. If we look at Luke's genealogy that's in uh, chapter 3, 23 through 38, he traces the genealogy of Jesus back through history all the way back to Adam. And if you are, are wanting to see what that looks like, if you're wanting to see what those names look like, what that, that 
history looks like. We have a poster that was unearthed during our, uh, our sojourn into the Connex. Uh, <laughs> the, I kind of felt like Ezra, like finding the, the book of the law buried in the temple. Um, it, it felt that way. Uh, <laughs> but there's this uh, poster that has the family tree of Jesus all the way back to Adam. And it's uh, a framed poster that we were able to get put together that's hanging up in the fireside room. If you haven't had a chance to look at it, I, I encourage you to look at it, especially after we go through this. But Luke's version of the genealogy traces uh, Jesus all the way back to Adam, placing him over all of mankind. The, the focus of Matthew's genealogy is to establish Jesus as an heir to the throne of David. To establish Jesus as being from the line of David, from the dynasty of David. But the, the key difference besides that is that Matthew's genealogy includes five women. And those five women are who we are going to be looking at. The inclusion of women in a list that was created during the time of Matthew is significant. First of all, and this is the time. This isn't necessarily the view of the church today. Not necessarily. It is not the view of the church today. Women weren't necessarily valued as much back then. That culture didn't uh, ascribe the value that we do today. Their inclusion in the list is notable because it's, it was a, what's called a, a patrilineal genealogy. It was, as a, it was focused on the men. It was a record of fathers and sons. And yet in the midst of this, there's these five women that are called out. Their inclusion is notable because four of them were among the most notorious women in all of the Bible. In a family tree that traces only the male line, every single deviation from that all of a sudden becomes glaringly important for us to look at. Again, would God waste his word? If we believe that God does not waste his word, then any deviation from what we would expect in something like this is something that we should be looking at, something that we should say, well, well why is this here? I think sometimes it's safe to call this particular chapter the, the forgotten chapter of the Christmas story. <laughs> because again, it is so much easier to start. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, right? I mean, we, we know what all of those words mean. We, we skip the, the list of the names because we wanna get to the good stuff. But the, the Jews of the first century would have been like, no, this is, this is key. This is crucial to understanding who Jesus is. This is crucial to understanding that, that Jesus checks the boxes. 
We've talked before about how if you look at an envelope that, that you're going to mail to someone with a, a small handful of details, you are able to specify beyond the shadow of a doubt who the, the recipient of your letter is. If, if I write down a state, all, all of a sudden we are, are narrowed down from the entire world down to one specific population within this state, a, a state, in this case the state of California. If, if I now give a zip code within that state, we're now tied to a specific region, substantially smaller. If I give a street, we're now down to maybe five families. And if I give three, four, five numbers and a name, we've arrived to my house. We've arrived to me. These names help create those points that, that Jesus is able to, to call back to and say, I have the credentials. My ancestry is a credential. Genealogy was, was crucial in Jewish culture. The reason that, that Jewish people paid so much attention to, to genealogy, I mean, it came into play even if they wanted to sell their house. If they wanted to sell their property, they first had to make sure that the person they were selling to was of the same tribe as them because they weren't allowed to sell their land outside of their tribe. That, that wasn't supposed to happen. They were supposed to keep their land within their tribe so that their, their tribe continued to, to have the space that was promised to them. Genealogy was crucial because you had to know where you came from to, to determine, am I allowed to be a priest? Am I allowed to serve in the temple? What, what areas and things am I allowed to, to do in terms of worship? Genealogy mattered. Genealogy mattered because it was what established who was able to claim authority on the throne. In Ezra 2 and Nehemiah 7, there's these lengthy listings of, of people that were coming back from captivity. Why did we care? They cared because the, the Jewish people had to reestablish their ancestry. They had to reestablish the genealogy of who was who, who had authority in that place and in that time. But the same idea of importance towards a genealogy, towards a list of names, comes to the Christmas story as well in this, the same way that, that we have thought about it. You know, in those days, Caesar Augustus, why did they have to go back to Bethlehem? Why did Mary and Joseph have to go back to Bethlehem when she was nine months pregnant? She didn't, that wasn't a like, hey, this seems like a good idea type of thing. That was a, I am compelled by the governing authorities to go because of who my ancestors are because of the genealogy that says that I am of the tribe and the lineage of David. And because of that, I know where I have to go. Matthew begins the, the gospel that he writes with this genealogy saying, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he goes on to list 42 men 
and Jesus' family. And these, these names are tied to different stages within Israel's history. And they, they all culminate with Jesus Christ, God with us. This, this genealogy that we see with Matthew, it's, it's stylized. It's, it doesn't necessarily exhaust every single uh, name that is in the list because he's trying to keep it looking pretty. He has 14 names here, 14 names here, and 14 names here. And, and Matthew is probably a little eccentric and he liked having that order <laughs> of 14 and 14 and 14. For those of you that have seen The Chosen, you kind of start thinking, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense that he would do something like that. <laughs> And so his, his family tree that has been abbreviated in this particular case is presented so that Matthew is able to state at the beginning he's worthy because he's the, from the tribe and from the line of David. He's the, the one who Isaiah uttered this warning. It says, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. If we look at the, the women, these five women that are, are called out, there's a common denominator that exists with all five of them. Disgrace. These women either committed or suffered disgrace in their life. They had tainted reputations. They would have endured the contempt of other people They would have struggled with the, the painful memories of the, the choices that they had made, of, of the, the events that took place around them. And, and here's the thing. If something like that was to exist in your family tree, in my family tree, and we were already going about stylizing it, making it look nice and pretty, wouldn't that be the thing that you just conveniently edited out wouldn't that be the thing that you're like, well, nobody cares about that. No, nobody needs to see that part of my life. We, I'd rather just not talk about that. We all have those things. Every one of us has that area in our life where you know, let's just not think about that right now. Most of us want to conceal the disgraceful, the painful, the shameful events and people that, that exist in our families, in our lives, but not Jesus. He goes out of his way to draw attention to these specific people. Why? Why would Jesus go out? Is he trying to embarrass them? No. He's doing it to remind us. 
before Matthew even begins the story of Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem to birth the Savior of the world, before that ever begins, in this list of names, we see the reason for Jesus to come. Even in the genealogies, even in this list of names, God is weaving the story of grace. He loves to redeem. He loves to produce something beautiful out of something broken. He loves to reconcile. He loves to make all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Each of these women that we're going to be looking at are a beautiful example, a beautiful old covenant illustration of what God would say to Peter later on in the New Testament, what, what I have called clean. How dare you call unclean? Why were these, these women included? If we, we think about the names of women like Tamar, of a woman named Rahab, you think of Ruth. You think of how, how she's referenced in, in the genealogy as the wife of Uriah. And you think of Mary. Obviously, Matthew was intending for, for us to think about more than just sexual scandal as, as we look at these different names. The, the first four women that we have in this list, uh, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and the wife of Uriah is Bathsheba. All four of those women were Gentiles. And while the, the fifth woman, Mary, was Jewish, she couldn't be Gentile because Jesus was the biological son of Mary alone. And because of that, there had to be some Jewish connection. And so that's how Mary came about. Matthew could have chosen, there could have been so many other women that got brought up in this. I mean, there are so many women that, that we know about when we read the Bible. We look at Sarah. I mean, why wouldn't we have brought Sarah up? She, she was the mother of, of the 12 tribes. We could have had Rebecca. We could have had Leah. We could have had all of these others. But that wasn't the point. That was, was never the point. The message of the, the women in Jesus' genealogy was that everybody can come to the table. And not just the, the people that, that made it onto the, the family tree that were, were part of the, the Jewish nation. This was a Jesus, a Savior, a Messiah for all people. Jesus is king. With the, the first four women that we're, we're looking at here, Matthew demonstrates that, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise that, that was made to Abraham, that through Abraham, all 
the nations of the earth would be blessed. Through Abraham, all the nations, not just the Jews, but Ruth and the the Moabite people would be blessed. That Bathsheba and the, the Hittite people would be blessed. And all of the other ethnicities, all of the other minorities, all of the other peoples of the earth would be blessed. The only way that you could successfully communicate that in a genealogy is to include the Gentile women ancestors. That's the only way that you would be able to share it because if, again, you were just focused on the, the Jewish aspect, then that would only ever be spoken about through the man. And so he had to call out the women and say, this is a savior for you too. Jesus has come for these people also. How do we know these people, that these four women were were Gentiles? And it's important to, to recognize that they are. How do we know that Tamar was a Gentile. We're going to talk over the, the coming weeks. We're going to specifically look at each of these. Tamar was, was in a very difficult situation. Tamar was, was a part of the Canaanite people. The, the Bible says in Genesis 38, verse 6, that Ju- Judah got her as a wife for his son. There's, there's not a whole lot in the Bible that talks about her lineage, but there are other texts that are outside of the Bible that are just, they're written history that we can look at and we can reference that, that do talk about where she has come from. That she is from what's called Syria, Palestina which is very much not Israel. She's a Gentile. The second woman, Rahab. We know Rahab. She's the the woman who met with the spies as they're coming in to, to look at Jericho. And Jericho was the first Canaanite city that the people of Israel took over. So Rahab was a Canaanite. The third woman, Ruth, is very clear in the book of Ruth that she is from Moab, which leaves us with the wife of Uriah. And that, that's an interesting one because Matthew avoids using her name in the genealogy. If we, we look at the Bible, he, he doesn't call her out by name. He doesn't say Bathsheba like he said Ruth, like he said Rahab, like he says uh, Tamar. He says the wife of Uriah. So he was, he was emphasizing something. And I think we can safely say he was, he was emphasizing her Gentileness here. And the reason I say that is because the shorthand that was always used for Uriah, if we look at, at how his name comes up, he was always called Uriah the Hittite. 
That's, that's how they, they referenced him. That's how David would reference him. That's how it was referenced in the, the books of the Bible. And so if Uriah is a Hittite, then it stands to reason that his wife is probably a Hittite as well. And so by the time Bathsheba bore Solomon, she, she, she was David's wife. And so at that point, that kind of trumped anything else that, that may have, have existed previously. But the fact of the matter is, before she was David's wife, she was a Hittite. Now, what's so significant about being a Canaanite? What's so significant about being a Hittite specifically? These two groups were among the seven groups in the land of Canaan that God had, had commanded that the Israelite people exterminate that God had commanded that they be driven out of Israel. Canaanites and Hittites and Moabites were, were Gentiles. And yet in the genealogy of Jesus, we see that salvation was for them too. Redemption was for them too. If we look at these names that are, are present in this list, there's, there's some things that should be encouraging to us. One is that God's plan will be carried out. These women represent what, what might be considered ugly skeletons in a closet, things that maybe we would normally wouldn't want to share, but God keeps his promises the promises that were made to David, the promises that were made to Abraham are coming true through the lineage and the line of Jesus. The, the second is that God's promises and God's plans are not contingent on our behavior. Thank you, Jesus, that I cannot mess up God's plan. <laughs> God's plan isn't contingent on my righteousness. It's not contingent on me saying the right thing. It's not contingent on how many times I read my Bible. It's like, well, I was going to save the world, but Matt screwed up and skipped Genesis last week, so sorry. Ruth worshipped other gods. Tamar had sex with her father-in-law. Rahab was a prostitute. But these facts don't derail God. They don't stop God from being able to do what he needs to do. They don't say, well, I need to put my plan on pause until I get somebody better than Ruth to, to come fill the, the gap here. No, he says, I see who you are. I see what you have done. And my grace is sufficient. The, the male line, if we look at the male line of Jesus, they were full of their own problems as well. Let's be clear. This isn't like picking on the, the four women that were full of problems. No, Abraham had all sorts of issues. Isaac, Jacob, Judah, David, Solomon, Manasseh, Ammon. I mean, you just keep going down the line and, and they are full of problems. This is by no means saying that a, a woman is at issue here. Right from the start, we see that, Genesis, that Jesus 
identifies with us. Let's say you were part of this family tree. Let's say you were the, the name that was on this tree instead of Jesus. How can you relate to, to the savior of the world coming? Saying, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. If I look back at my history, I, I have people that are committing incest. I have people that are, are prostitutes. I have people that are worshiping other gods, not to mention all of the things that I've done. How can, can Jesus relate to that? But that's why he has the tree that he has. That's why he, he has the ancestry that he has is so that he can point back and say, I'm there with you. I came here because of you. He's our king and he's not ashamed to be counted among us. as we move forward into this study, knowing these truths helps us appreciate who Jesus is, helps us appreciate what Jesus has come to do. This morning as we move to our time of communion, there's some specific scriptures that I want us to read. The first is John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't begrudgingly give up. He didn't lose his son, Jesus. No, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Isaiah 9, 6. One of my favorite Christmas verses. For to us, a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Matthew 1, 21, she'll bear a son and you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. I don't care about the things you have done. I, I love you. The things that you have done do not separate you from me because I have paid the price. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting of shadow. John 14.27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. And finally, 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gifts. As we come to the table, as we come to this time of, of remembering We, 
We so often associate the communion table to the crucifixion, to the death of Jesus, the pouring out of blood, the the body that was broken. There is a step that has to happen before that. The step that had to happen was the gift that was given. If you take the crucifixion and and encapsulate it by itself, where you take the birth of Jesus and you, you encapsulate it by itself. It's only part of the story. You have to have both. They have to come together as one, and that is the communion that we are recognizing. Not only that we serve a Jesus Christ who died on a cross, we serve a Jesus Christ who came who said, I care enough about you, I love you, I value you to come to this world as a baby and to live in it amongst you in the squalor and the brokenness. Not just to to help the group of people that I'm coming to talk to, but to eternally change the world as you know it. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gifts. Let's go ahead and eat this morning. Heavenly Father, this morning as we take this time to remember, as we take this time to to look at the, the lives and the line that you have come from, Lord, we thank you that you made a choice to rescue us, that you made a choice to save us, that you made a choice to step into our brokenness, our broken lives, our our hurt. In order to bring about healing, in order to bring about redemption, restoration, There's truly nothing but the blood of Jesus that can make a way for us. God, your your love that, that speaks a better word over us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 